0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, the podcast in which we discover the nature of comedians in their natural habitat. So let me take you down, because I'm going to comedy fields, where nothing is real but the nocturnal animals we call comedians, who frolic in the twilight of these uphill slopes that they call home. I love talking to people in comedy about comedy, so if you'd like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest on this episode is a Canadian actor and comedian well established on the comedy circuit and on television in North America. Her 2017 audition video for Canada's Top Comic received over 5 million views and as an accomplished writer and actor her work has been seen on Amazon Prime and Netflix. In March 2022 she moved to London to stake her claim on the UK comedy scene and made what the Scotsman called a winning debut at last year's Edinburgh Festival Fringe directed by Adam Hills its stand-up comedian Michelle Shaughnessy. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing?
1: I'm good.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. It's
0: great to have you.
1: Oh, no problem. I appreciate you following up because I... I'm really bad with that. Like, I'll forget things. I'll be like, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And my intentions are to do that. And then I think I should write that down. And then I'm like, no, I'll remember. And I never remember anything. So I'm glad you followed up.
0: (laughs) Well, that's interesting. I mean, straight away, you've confirmed something else that's just on my mind all the time is that creatives such as yourself seem to be terrible at administration you are the one of the few people who actually has all your dates on your website so
1: yes I'm good at that like I started using my um iPhone calendar because I just would like forget things and places and all that stuff but anything where it's like stuff like this I never write down and I don't know why like I only write down gigs because there's (laughs) been times where I've like forgotten and I've like almost missed stuff So I just need to be better about organization, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) So what was it like growing up in Canada? What was the comedy scene there for you? How did comedy start for you?
1: Well, I mean, I started when I was like 18. Like my mom made me try it. She was like, you're so funny, you're so funny. And I wanted to be like a serious actress. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I always kind of like half joke, half nod that comedy ruined my life because I started when I was young. And I was like working as a professional comic by the time I was like 22 and it just, every other interest I had in life went on the back burner. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like partly jealous of people that like start later in life because they have their life. <laughs> they have like their marriage, they have their career, they're making money, you know, and I never had an opportunity to have that. So I like grew up in comedy. Right. Um. Which I mean there are benefits to that for sure, but there are is part of me that's like, oh, I feel like you know maybe things would have been different if I like waited till I was a bit more mature.
0: <laughs> you've got um, 10 years in acting and comedy now
1: Yeah, a longer than that yeah. um it's been a really long time. I just it's kind of like mind-blowing when I think of how long it's been because I always feel like I should be further ahead and I know that's like a bad kind of like thing to do to yourself but Mm. I do feel like that because people that are like five to seven years in and they're just like killing it and I'm like oh but that's what I mean because like when I started I looked at it like a party you know like I was drinking then I was like in bars all the time like it was so exciting to me
2: yeah
1: um and I think I started like now I probably would have looked at it more like a business which I do now but like I didn't for Probably the first 10 years, probably till like my late 20s. Right. I didn't really look at it like a business that should be treated as such.
0: Right. Well, how different is comedy then for you seeing it as a business person rather than like um, what, it, what it was at the outset? I mean, how does that, does that change your view of what comedy is?
1: I don't know if it changes my view of what comedy is hmm. because I think... Comedy is a lot of things. But I okay. think for me it changes my view of like what my career is because sure. now I take it seriously like a career. Um, in the sense that like I d- well, I stopped drinking at shows. Like I i don't drink at all. I quit drinking mm-hmm. about five years ago. But before that, yeah, there was a few years where I just would not drink at shows because to me, I was like, I'm here to like make money. Yeah. And I'm just spending money. And everyone was at the time. We would just drink all night and go out after and That's when I, when I stopped having a day job, that's when I really noticed like, okay, I need to look at this as like an income and not kind of like a socialization tool, Yeah, you know, and that really allowed me to kind of like build a life outside of comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... I do see a lot of younger comics and that's like the one piece of advice I give them is to make sure you hold on to that life outside of comedy, because it does get a bit lonely. like when you are doing it professionally and like, you know, all your friends are working on weekends, you're working on weekends and, you know, you're, you become a bit competitive and you both want the same things and you both. And I think it's really good for your stage outlook as well to like have a life. That's not just comedy because the Mm. audiences can't relate So we need stuff, you know, in the real world to kind of like keep us grounded and keep us relatable to the audience.
0: Yeah. So what was it that prompted the move to the UK last year?
1: Oh, God. Well, I was waiting so long for my American green card. I applied, (laughs) my husband and I applied and got approved like over four years ago. And then COVID hit like Mm. six months after Mm. and everything shut down. So what I thought was going to be like a two-year wait ended up going on, like, four years plus now, you know? Yeah. So I was, like, just sick of, like, doing the same things over and over and over in Canada. And I just had enough. And I was like, you know what? I can get my Ancestry visa. And I got it within nine days. And it cost, like, nothing compared to what we spent for to get into America. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got the visa, I, like, came over. So that's kind of that and now Hmm. it's time to go get the american green card because everything's moving again and now i'm like oh like i'm just getting settled here i don't really know what i want to
0: do you know yeah so how did you find when you came to the uk performing comedy how did you find it differed from um in north america
1: It's so different in the sense that like in North America, we don't have that like, oh, you gotta get a new hour every year. That's not a thing. And we don't have like a thematic thing. Like when I did the festival this year and they were like, well, what's your theme? What's it about? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like it's stand up. (laughs) Like you you saw my show, like I kind of pieced together a bit of a theme but like I had never heard of that. We just don't do that. That's not a thing. So for us, it's like, I mean, I'm not saying we don't get new material. But a new hour every year is just not really heard of where I am from. Um, And there are comics that do do a lot of new material. And I think that's great. And there are comics that like I've watched since I started and I can still recite their full headline acts and they probably should work a bit more on new material. But that's just not a thing where I'm from. So that was like a big shock to me. And now it's like trying to get the next hour is like, it's crazy like uh, the 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 work ethic here is like unmatchable to anywhere mm. else
0: so your your edinburgh debut last year uh your show be your own daddy yeah how did the show go uh how did you find your edinburgh experience
1: i am definitely a stronger comic than when i went so that's great i mean <laughs> i'm a broker comic than when i went because <laughs> it's insane I went with way too high expectations and none of those expectations came through. Now talking to other people about their experiences has made me feel a lot better because they're just like it was a really slow year
2: mm.
1: you know and the audiences just didn't flock back how they did before COVID so that made me feel better. Right. Um, I definitely don't think I would go again unless I had this really artistic thing inside of me that I needed to get out mm-hmm. because I don't think like, I kind of went with like the expectation of not even expectation, but like the misknowledge that you have to go to get certain things in this country. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, I'm sure it was back in the day,
0: right.
1: but I don't think that's really the case anymore.
0: Yeah. So you wouldn't be going back there, you don't think, to to do Edinburgh again or just under different circumstances?
1: I would, but it would have to be under different circumstances. It would have to be under the expectation that the only thing I want to get out of it is doing my show for 30 days in a row, like becoming stronger or maybe preparing for a tour. But I would not go with the expectations like, oh, I'm going to get discovered or someone from the industry is going to see me and give me something because I just don't think that's realistic anymore.
2: Right? I
1: think maybe it used to be back in the day, but I just don't think that's a thing anymore. I mean, how how many Edinburghs have you gone to?
0: Uh, fifteen.
1: Did you find this year very different?
0: Yes, very much so.
1: Okay, that makes me that that makes me feel good because yeah. I was in a room that, looking back, was way too big for me. But I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I just listened to what everybody else told me to do. You know, right? And going back, like being in a ninety theater for a debut year was insane
2: because
1: <laughs> even when I could like average selling half of it. Mm. In my mind, I would still see half an empty room, and that really affected my self-esteem. So that's what I mean when I would do it differently. I would be in a small room. Uh, I would not care about what industry is there to see me. I would not care about what reviewers are in. I would just be doing it to develop myself as an artist.
0: Yeah, yeah. This last Edinburgh I went to, there were more than a few shows where either I was the only audience member or they just canceled because nobody showed up yeah so it was a lot of shows that were that didn't go ahead
1: yeah it's when
0: someone ahead with just me in the room
1: how was that
0: they were great you know it's they just wanted to do the show
1: that's good they're so yeah. still doing the show like my- Favorite show was 11 people because I didn't do my act. I was so frustrated (laughs) at that point. It was towards the end and I was like, screw this. And I just turned it into a live chat show and I made it about the audience and we had the best time. And I would probably want to have more moments like that going forward, I think, because it took me to the end of the festival to be comfortable with like seeing like empty seats, you know? Yeah. It really took a lot out of me, out of my self-esteem. It really took a lot out of my self-esteem. Like I came back a little broken for sure.
0: But you're living in London. What about getting in London regularly? I mean I uh, love it. Yeah.
1: I love it. Like when I first came here, I was not in London regularly. I was living in London, Hmm. but most of my stuff was like out of town, which was great. I'm glad I had those experiences because the audiences are so different outside of London, no matter Hmm. where you go. Yeah, they're so different. Like this way, they're so different that way, and it's so good to have that experience.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: now that like I'm starting to make more contacts in London and I can do more gigs in London, I love it.
0: Yeah. So, so the show I saw you performing in Leicester, you made a specific point of interacting with every member of the crowd, and you mentioned just I briefly that. about that. Yeah. Is that more the direction that you want to be in doing stand-up? It's just yeah. purely interactive.
1: Not purely, but that's a big part of who I am. Right. I my I would love to have a chat show one day. That's like my ultimate goal. Yeah. So I think for me, I and I think I'm good at it. Like I think for me, I know that I can go up and just talk to the audience and I'll make it work. Um I think. Yeah it's a good skill to have. And I think that comes from like years of like, when I was a newer comic, I would always host, I hosted a lot. And I think it comes from that. Right. But I have confidence in that department. So I know if things aren't working, I can always just talk to the audience and I'll make something work. Um, right. For me, I think I kind of felt like I was kind of like wasting that talent, you know? So I'm trying to do more of that. Obviously I'd like to get to a place where I do have like another full hour of stand up, but I yeah. also always want to improve great talking to the audience as well because I think people are really more open to like share their life than you would think <laughs> you know and I think I don't want to be a mean comic but I don't want to like make fun of people in a way that hurts them mm-hmm. I just want to like know what they're going through and maybe I can relate to that maybe they can relate to me and we can all find it funny yeah. like what did you think as an audience member because other than that one show in Edinburgh when I did Actually, that's not true. I did a full hour of like improvised talking to the audience and Angel Comedy, and that was really fun. Right. But at Lester, that was only the second time I'd ever done that. Yeah. So, what did you, as an audience member, think of like that format?
0: I think it's, well, first of all, I was terrified. Yeah, I'm specifically, I'm not a front row guy. I'm very much, I stand at the back. I've noticed that. Yeah.
1: You're always kind of in the back <laughs> off the
0: side. I like to watch the audience as well, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't want to be part of the action. So when I, and I'm very much a deer in headlights when everyone, the person in the spotlight addresses me. So I my mind goes completely blank. I have no idea how to respond. So I have no idea. It's very interesting because I have seen a, a couple of other comics uh, attempt that and it's very hit and miss uh, because you don't know the responses you're going to get. You are gambling a lot on having someone have something interesting or funny to say. Absolutely. And most of my experience is that the, the audience isn't funny, <laughs> especially if they're trying to be. But that show that I saw, because you were in charge of the room, it was um, handled beautifully so i think it, it's the person doing the interaction is making it work so you, me, you like, were successful
1: once the audience understands okay i'm not trying to make fun of you like i'm not trying to be mean yeah. i'm not trying to like then they're more apt to kind of like open up like at that show at leicester there were some people off the top that didn't want to talk to me and by the end they were opening up and talking to me you know so i think that's important yeah. too because like i don't want anybody to leave a show feeling bad you know so i <laughs> I just don't like, obviously we can kind of like lighthearted, make fun of one another. Like that's just human, but I don't want anybody to like walk away feeling bad. Like I want them to like actually feel like, you know, like I I did a little bit of that in Brighton that one of my previews and one of the girls that ended up opening up sent me a message and she was like, I never talk. Like I'm not a public speaker. I'm not whatever. And she's like, it was really good to like, get off, (laughs) like be able to like, speak in front of people so things like that make me really happy
0: so with that audience response and improvisation do you prefer emceeing to doing a a spot if you're on a mixed bill
1: absolutely not um (laughs) (laughs) i don't i think it's a good skill to have and i'm glad i did it right um i would like to do a bit more of it here because i've only emceed here once right but it's different And I'll tell you what, because Mm. you get paid more for it in Canada, because you got to be there the whole show. So here, you're getting offered the same money to MC or to do a 20 minute open spot. Why would you take? Oh, I'll be there for two, three hours rather than do 20 minutes. No, so there's not much incentive for me here to do it, other than the fact that I do want to keep up that skill. Right. Um, but it's just. It's a good skill to have and I think everyone should do it for a little bit. I would like to do more of it, but no, obviously the best spot on the show is to open and get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how much of what we see on stage is the real Michelle? How much is is it? Is it you amped up or is it a character that you're playing?
1: I think it's mostly me. Like, I think I'm more me than a lot of comics, to be honest. Um, I definitely am a lot more shy offstage. Like, some people talk to me after shows and stuff, and I've been called the snob before, which maybe I am a little bit, but not in those moments. And I have really bad social anxiety. So talking to people, I get really, like, nervous, and I either talk way too much and say stupid things, or I don't talk at all. So that, I'm definitely more like talkative on stage but everything I say is real like there's stuff in my life that I'm like oh my god I can never tell anybody and then I go on stage that night and I tell everybody um <laughs> I think it's, it's very real and I think that's kind of like the point that I've come to where I have to get a new hour because so much of my old material just isn't authentically me anymore and I hate doing it
0: right just being in the spotlight detach you enough that you can talk about things that are more personal
1: Um, I think it depends like yeah it does I definitely feel that um yeah I think so I think I don't know why I don't know why that is but I definitely feel that (laughs) like I definitely say things on stage that I'm like ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that until I like told the person not that's about you know what I mean like I think there's stuff that like it is therapy I know that's cliche for comics to say but it really Mm. is therapy Like I open up more to audiences than I do to like my therapist, for being (laughs) honest.
0: So how did you determine what what you would be like when you started doing stand up? Did you know that you were going to talk about things that were very personal? Did you know the person that you wanted to be?
1: No, I have no idea what I want it to be. But I always, from the get-go, talked about personal things. Right. I'm like, I like to say, like, I'm self-absorbed. Like, when I go out in the world, it's not like I'm like, oh, that's an interesting, like, thing I could talk about. Or look at that guy. Like, I'm very, like, me, me, me.
2: So that's <laughs> kind of,
1: like, what I put out there on stage, you know? Right. And I find, like, that's what helps you find, for me, that's what helps me like find my fan base because I think the stuff that I say and the stuff that I talk about seems so crazy to some people and they find it funny but right. to other people, they're like, oh God, I'm not the only one that thinks like that. I like that, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think when I started, I was a lot more self-deprecating and I think a lot of like newer comics fall into that trap.
2: Right. And
1: I think it's not necessarily a bad thing I think it kind of helps you find your footing on stage because you Mm. feel like, for me, I felt almost like I had to say what the bad things about myself because I thought everyone was thinking those things. So I had to like say them first, you know?
0: Yeah. Just talking about the personal things then, and you said about it being a form of therapy, does having that sort of that shyness or, or, or anxiousness, does that make you a better comedian?
1: I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I I think it, I don't know if it makes me a better comedian. It definitely makes me a worse networker. That's for sure. (laughs) I see comics after shows that talk to every single audience member. And for me, I get really anxious about that and I need to be better about that. But I definitely, that thought of that gives me anxiety. Um, I don't know if it makes me a better comedian. I think it makes me like an authentic comedian and i think it backfires sometimes because if i'm having a show or things aren't going well i take it really personal because i'm so personal on stage that it almost feels like not only do they not find me funny but they hate me as a person you know
0: well talking of things that are anxiety inducing so tell me about your your lockdown experience before you moved to the uk when you're a thriving comedian and everything shuts down how do you respond to that
1: well, in Ontario, the province in Canada I'm from, we mm-hmm. had a longer lockdown than anywhere else I right. think in North America. Um, so we were really locked down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was awful. Um, I was fortunate enough that like I lived with my husband.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: still works. Like, he works in the film industry, so there was a period of time where he was locked down too, but then he was working. So I didn't have the financial stress that a lot of comics had, and I, I do acknowledge like my privilege in that, but I started to feel and that's part of the reason why I wanted to come here too I started to feel Mm -hmm. like and I talked about this in my show like I was just a housewife because he would go away for work and I would be like well what am I supposed to do well stores are open I guess I'll just go shopping I guess I'll order food I got (laughs) like I didn't have it you you know like I thought in my mind oh I'll write a great script I'll I didn't do any of that Mm. I just literally like Wandered around the city trying to fill my days. Um, And it wasn't awful. But the fact that I didn't find it awful started to scare me, you know. And then Mm. when comedy did open again, it was amazing. And then it (laughs) shut down again. And then it opened again. Um, But I definitely, I don't know. Like, lockdown was wild, man. You know, like, it was crazy for a lot of people. Mm. But I think for comedians, like... I think for any kind of like live performer, it's just kind of like you kind of forget who you are. I forgot who I was a little bit.
0: Wow. Well, what about um, different media? Because um, I know that this is quite unusual in my more recent experience. You recorded two albums of comedy, which are available on iTunes in 2017 and 2020.
1: Yeah, that's not really a thing here.
0: No, not at all. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, it's not and i'll tell you why it's a thing in north america because yeah. we get royalties from that playing on satellite radio in america right. so we have xm series radio which is satellite radio and every time they play a track we get a little bit of money so comics are hungry to get those albums out because we make money from it and that's just not a thing here so before like Things kind of change. What you would do is you would sell your CDs at shows. You would sell your CDs. Now right. it's more like download cards and we would yeah. make money. We would make cash shows. You can make like three, four, five hundred dollars after shows doing that. Now that's changed now because nobody wants CDs anymore. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people that's another big difference between here, just to go quickly off topic. People mm. don't do merch after shows here. That's like such a thing where I'm from. Everyone has merch, we sell it, we make money. nobody does that here it's (laughs) so bizarre um but for albums yeah we that's like a thing where I'm from everybody does albums we have like record labels that put them out you can put them out independently it's such a big thing
0: yeah it's interesting because I mean I haven't heard of anyone listening to an album since I don't know I don't listen to
1: albums either (laughs) Why would I? Yeah. nobody does. I don't have the attention. Band. But like I said, like there <laughs> are like satellite radio stations that play like worldwide and yeah, they just play 24-7 stand-up. So the goal is to get yourself in rotation on those stations and then people find you online and they follow you and you yeah. you know they become a fan. And but the main goal that we all do it for is that it helps, it's <laughs> it's another source of income for us.
0: And again, like you mentioned, people don't really do merchandise after shows. I have seen a number of comics who will sell uh, flash drives with featuring old recordings of live shows. Everyone seems to be more concerned about getting their specials on Amazon or Netflix or whatever, rather than selling them themselves.
1: Yeah, I don't have a thing to do that. Like, I don't know why. Hmm. I think for me, if Netflix or somebody that was part of that was like, hey, we want to film a special with you. Sure. But for me... So like try to do that myself. And I think some comics are killing it and they have that and they can do it themselves and it's great. I just don't have the confidence or the drive or the knowledge to figure out how to do that myself.
0: What about coming out of lockdown again, the uh, like doing Zoom gigs, online shows? Did you get any experience of that?
1: I did one done. One and I'll never do it again. It was awful. (laughs) Cause like you feel like, I don't know. It's like there's something about bombing in a club where you're like, and then you can go home. But there's something about bombing in your kitchen that you're like, great, I guess <laughs> I'll just sit here. Like it did, I did not like it at all. It was not for me.
0: <laughs> not something you do again, or again, just, just in a different circumstance. No. Never.
1: Never. I mean, maybe if I was paid well, sure. I'll do anything if you pay me enough, but not for like 50 bucks, I think, is what I made for the yeah. Zoom gig I did. Which is like <laughs> 25. <that happens? laughs>
0: So where does acting fall into this?
1: Acting is something I would love to do more of, but nobody hires me. I've <laughs> like literally not with that exaggeration. I've had thousands of auditions, thousands. I've booked four things and we're talking about 12 years of solid auditioning, four things. Those are not good odds. I, I'm having new headshots done in two weeks for God's sakes. Cause I still try. I still try, but like, Nobody, like, I don't understand because I'm good at it. I've taken so much training. I've had, like, private tutors. I know that I'm good. I don't know what it is. Maybe I don't, I I don't know. I can't book parts to save my life. I book something maybe once every two years if I'm lucky.
0: Does being an actor make you a better performer as a comedian?
1: No, I find them so different, to be honest. I think that's why I love acting so much because it's a chance to not be myself. And I really like that. Because sometimes, as much as I do love comedy, it does take a lot out of me emotionally because I am so, like, vulnerable on stage. And when I'm acting, I don't have that same vulnerability because I'm playing someone else, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, I would love to do acting here. I would love it. And I'm trying. So if anyone's watching us, please hire <laughs> me. But there's been nothing yet. No bites. <laughs>
0: well, what about um, watching comedy as a comedian? Do you watch comedy? Do you, Is it still an entertainment?
1: No, oh, I, t- I do a little bit, but I don't have, like, it's so weird because I know some comics who are constantly watching it. <laughs> um, I did when I first got here because I wanted to watch a lot of UK comedy, and I think that really helped me. Right. But I don't turn on Netflix and check out people's specials. I just don't. I'm more apt to like watch people live at a show, like stick around or go early to like make sure I watch that. I like that. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not, cause to me, like it put, and it's it's frustrating sometimes cause even with like, you know, people that I've dated or like friends, like you hang out and they're like, I really want to watch this comedy special. And I'm like, no, that makes me, that puts me in work mode. Like I can't watch it and relax. I can't watch it like a normal human being. Hmm. So, it, so I do watch it, yes, but not, necessarily for pleasure for like like it just puts me in work mode you know
0: yeah so you're constantly seeing the mechanics of what the performer's doing
1: absolutely yeah absolutely like uh and it's hard to kind of like I also don't laugh like I don't laugh at comedy and it doesn't mean that I don't love it like I'll look at somebody's act and I'm like oh that's so good but I don't laugh out loud a lot at comedy um, and I don't know why, maybe that's a comedy thing, but so for me to like watch the specials of people, it's just not as fun because they're just like, well, why aren't you laughing? Or, Are you not liking this? And it's cause I'm just like thinking like, how did they come up with that? Like what made them do that? Or, oh, they missed a good callback. They could have done, you know? Yeah. Do you watch a lot of like, I know you watch a lot of live comedy, but yeah. do you watch a lot of like stage comedy as well?
0: Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do prefer live comedy.
0: I prefer live comedy because you you feel it in the room, yeah. You know, and and like I say, although I don't like to necessarily engage directly with it, the atmosphere is is palpable in the in the room, and I don't get that at home. The drinks are cheaper at home,
2: yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> but uh, there's a balance. I prefer to go out, but sometimes you can't, and that's one of the joys of Zoom, if there is such a thing. Is I could get to watch comedy from the United States or from Canada or from wherever. I get to yeah. watch comedy shows that I couldn't otherwise go to, which has helped me discover a lot more comedians. Which
1: yeah, that's is only a good thing. That's true. It's definitely good for that.
0: So, what about mistakes made and lessons learned? What uh, What are the key philosophies you've developed over your career so far?
1: No, well, that's a hard one. I think like a comedy is not everything. I think mm-hmm. until I learned to have a life outside of comedy, I was never truly happy. Um, I think sometimes it's okay to say no to shows. Um, mm-hmm. I used to say yes to everything. Now I don't. And I said yes to everything when I moved here too, which I think was great to do at the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm. But I think
1: sometimes it's okay to say no know your worth yeah. and treat it like a business. I think that a mistake I made was not treat it like a business till I was much later in. And I think that's a very important thing. If you want this to be a career, you got to treat it like a career. That's definitely yeah. something that I wish I figured yeah. out sooner in life. Um, yeah. Other than that, like, I just think be true to yourself. Like you can like, there's been times that like, I've, watched an audience before i had to go on stage and i thought oh they're not gonna like what i have prepared to do and so i've gone up and like done something different and i'm like oh they don't like this and then i went back to like what i originally wanted and they loved it you know so i think just be true to yourself is like a mistake that like i made for so long because i was trying to be what i thought somebody wanted me to be right and you know what? Maybe, like, had I have stuck with that, I'd be further along. Who knows? But <laughs> fun.
0: So, what do you have um, aims and ambitions? Do you have specific targets that you you want to reach?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> I would like to make good money. I'd like to make more of a living. That's for sure. Yeah. I want to like be more steady in terms of like what's coming in financially because I feel like um, financial stability is something that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like short term goals, like live at the Apollo is like such a big goal for me. Yeah. Such a big goal. And I had that goal before I came here for sure. And I definitely want that. Um, right. Just like anything on television, you know, there's way more opportunity to like get on TV here than there is where I'm from, right? Like we don't have like those panel shows or like the game shows or anything like that. That's just not a medium right. that we have. So there's more opportunity for that here that I would like to like break into eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's tough, you know? And I think for me, that's what I'm saying. When I went to the festival with like these unrealistic expectations, I thought that things like that would come out of it. And they just don't,
2: you know?
1: Maybe for some people, but not for me. So I think I, even moving here, like I thought stuff would happen faster for me than it has. So I think I definitely came with like, unrealistic expectations to this country and right. i definitely you know the festival really kind of put my ego in check that these things are going to take time
0: right you say there weren't opportunities did you do like radio and tv in canada
1: we don't have radio so that to me i don't understand <laughs> it i should probably listen to radio here just to see like what's going on but like we don't have that we don't have we have one radio program called The Debaters, right. um, which is like two comics debating like funny topics. And it's a live show that they play on radio. That's it. We do <laughs> not, there might be some other stuff now, but like, it's not a thing how it is here. Yeah. And we have TV opportunities. Like you can do like gala sets on television, which I've done that, but like anything other than stand up or acting, we don't have TV opportunities in. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, what about competitions? Do you have those in Canada? The stand-up competitions? Have you participated?
1: Um, not like the way it is here. Like we have a few. Like I've done a few. Right. Like we used to have the Great Canadian Laugh Off, which was like I, I did that when I was like new in and comedy. And I made it to the final, so that was like yeah. I think my first time on TV. Okay. Um, and then we have the we used to have it's gone now, I think the top comic competition, the serious XM top comic competition. I did that mm-hmm. a bit later in my career, made it to the finals, didn't make it to like I didn't win. Right. Um that's about it. So we don't have like we don't really have like gong shows and stuff, competition shows like that yeah. how they do here. That's not really a thing thankfully because I couldn't <laughs> imagine having to do that um, but I hate competitions I I absolutely hate them um, I, I just I don't like them they make me feel bad you know and every time I've done one I've been like why did I do that <laughs> um, it comes, it's so subjective mm. and it's really hard to be judged when you're like you know it's hard to be judged
2: yeah
1: Part of that is being sensitive, but the other part of it is just like, it's such a subjective thing. Like I can look at comics and be like, I don't find them funny, but they're a great comedian. Right. And I think not everybody has that capability to do. And a lot of those people who don't have the capability to do it seem to be judges in comedy companies.
0: (laughs) You've talked a little bit about you know shyness. Do you still get anxious before you go on stage?
1: No, I don't get anxious before, I, like, a little bit. Like, it depends right. on the show.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, if it's a big show or there's, like, someone there. Like, when I do, like, comedy store gigs, whenever anyone from the comedy store is there, I get anxious. Right. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, what if I bomb in front of them and then all this, I'll never work for them out again. I get anxious <laughs> in that regard. But I don't normally get, like, a little anxious, but I don't get those, like, jitters how I did when I first started. My anxiety comes from, like the socialization aspect okay. like looking here and like hanging out with comics after the show that stuff gave me anxiety right um talking to audience members after the show that gives me anxiety
2: yeah
1: that kind of stuff really gives me anxiety
2: yeah
1: going to a show like when i first got here and even now because i'm still playing places i've never played before mm i get anxiety about that like walking into a space by myself for the first time gives me really bad anxiety like i'm like well what's it gonna be like or who am i gonna talk to what's the green room like what's that you know i get really nervous about that stuff
0: yeah you talk about hanging out with other comedians which gives you anxiety but all the comedians i've met and know and hang out with are all constantly in gangs of other comedians it's like you that everyone has their little their little cliques
1: once I make friends with them sure but when I'm like in a green room and I don't know any of the comics and I'm meeting them for the first time I have really bad anxiety because I right. feel like like I said I either talk too much and say something stupid or I don't say anything and I come off like a snob um <laughs> so that gives me anxiety because in Toronto like I could walk in any club and like if it was a professional comedy night I would know everybody or everyone would know me and right. it would be fine but coming here and, like, having to meet all these new people, that was just really hard for me. Yeah. And I definitely have some friends. You know, I've yeah. made a few friends. Yes. Um, But because there's a million comics here, I never get to work with them, you know? It's like you work with people once or twice and then you don't see them again for a year because there's so many comedians.
0: Yeah. Do you bond over war stories? Do you share your stage deaths? Yeah, sort of I mean, I
1: think all comics do. Like, yeah. I think especially, like taking a train with comics or in a car with comics, you always bomb over that stuff. But one thing (laughs) I don't like, and I try to like not really participate in is like, I find it can be easy to get negative with other comedians in the sense of like, well, why didn't I get that? Well, why did this person get that? Well, that's bullshit. The book for this, like they only got that. that. It's so easy for comics to get wrapped up in that. And that's one thing that like, I've really made a conscious effort in the past while in my life to like not really be a part of that those conversations because it can just become so toxic so fast
0: yeah and you talked about speaking to audience members after the show i mean do people come up to you and do they do they give you positive reinforcement you know what kind of feedback do you get
1: a lot of times like more so here like i find people here are more apt to follow you online and become a fan right. and come to your shows again. than where I'm from, because I think where I'm from the way that the comedy scene was kind of created, it's more like, well, we don't want the performers to be famous. We want the brand name to be famous.
2: Okay,
1: So it, it's different. It's, it's a different ballgame. Um, so I find here people are more apt to like want to talk to you and like give you positive reinforcement and follow you online and send you messages like that happens way more here than it does in Canada. Yeah. And I don't hate it, but it makes me like I get anxiety about it for sure.
0: <laughs> and what about the industry, your experiences of, of the industry generally, but also specifically in the UK? Um, how do you feel the the industry embraces comedians? How has it embraced you? What about um, gender perspectives? What's your what's been your impressions?
1: What do you mean by gender perspectives? Like you mean like as a woman in comedy? Yeah. I think there's way more female comics here. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I also think there's a lot more all male lineups here, which you would just not see where I'm from. Right. And I, you would just not see where I'm from. And I'm not going to like name any clubs or anything, but there are specific clubs that I see post lineups all the time. And I'm like, it's all men. And I'm not working this weekend. I know this amazing female comic isn't working this weekend. Like how hard is it to
2: yeah. change
1: up your lineup a little bit? And I think it's just in Canada, I think a lot of thought goes into that. And you just would not see a mainstream club put up a poster for a weekend right. with no females on it that would never happen so i think that kind of surprises me a little bit given the fact that there are so many hilarious woman comics here All
0: Right. and do you think uh, um as again as a canadian i don't want to labour the point but as someone from overseas and has the british culture audiences embraced you
1: um, not in Liverpool, but everywhere else is okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just really depends where I'm performing, you know, right. but like, that's what I said. I'm really glad that I got that experience of like going to different places yes. because the audiences are so different and you do kind of have to adapt a little bit, but I think, yeah. And I think especially being Canadian for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think people like Canada and that works in my favor, um, <laughs> But I think for the most part, but I've also had to change things up a little bit. Like, I think it's different here. I think here the format of stand-up is to be more conversational and is to more talk and tell stories where I think where I'm from, it's more like joke, 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 joke. So I kind of like am taking my time more now on stage, Mm -hmm. where when I first got here, if there was even like, few seconds without laughter i'd be like oh, you know because that's just like kind of the mindset where i'm from where it's just like after <laughs> joke, a joke, a joke. And I think audiences here are a lot more once you have their attention you have their attention you know right so i do think they are okay with like hearing a bit more between jokes If that like if that makes sense yeah does that make sense yeah okay and i mean as an audience member like do you find that like do you find that like Like, you've seen a lot of American comics, I presume, and, like, North American comics in general. Do you not find that we have more of, like, a rapid-fire joke persona than, like
0: yeah the british format. is very much there are rapid fire english or uk comics for um i think that's more of a standard in north america everything's got to be very quick paced and also very loud yes
1: i'm not <laughs> like that but i know so many comics that are just so loud i'm loud in general because i have a loud voice mm. but there are so many comics North America that just screams so loud. It's crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, subtlety is a tool that can be very well wielded in the UK, and it doesn't seem to be something that American comics seem to have discovered. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: definitely like I am becoming more like that, like where I am taking more of my time and being a bit more subtle because I I am not as scared of the like little moments of silence as I first was when I got here.
0: Yeah. Do you feel that? what you've learned from UK comedy and what we've just mentioned about the norm in the United States. How do you feel your style of comedy fits in among all of that?
1: I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, I don't even know what I want to do in America. Like, I think I had all these goals and dreams and hopes before the pandemic. And like, I think moving here... I'm just starting to like find my footing and I don't really want to leave right now. You know, mm. I think there's a lot of goals I want to accomplish here before I try somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know. I have no idea. That's a really good question. And I don't have an answer <laughs> for it. They do think the styles are so fucking different.
0: Yeah. But when I see um comedians like Erica Rhodes, yeah. um she's a little bit calmer the most maybe it's an East Coast, West Coast thing, I don't know. But it's um your style of comedy might fit in a little bit well with fans who appreciate someone like her.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I definitely think there is room for me there, but I do think I don't know, like I think it's just different. I don't know. I think yeah. I'm just don't know what to expect. Just like I didn't know what to expect coming here, you know.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned your gigs are on your website. What is the website? How can we find out about you? How can we find out where we can come and see you?
1: Michelle's funny.com. That's Michelle S funny. Yeah. And that's the same on social media at Michelle funny. So Michelle's funny
0: um,
1: <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. And that's pretty much, oh, mm-hmm. and I guess TikTok now, but I'm not too good at it.
0: That's pretty much <laughs> where I am. And finally, the question in line with the title of the show: Can you sum up for me what is to you comedy in a nutshell?
1: Oh God! <laughs> How long answers do people normally give for this? Like, are we talking words, sentences?
0: I've had one-word answers. So I've had essay answers. So you can interpret it however you wish. What well, comedy is to me? Yeah, you can make it fifteen minutes if you've got it in you. No,
1: I exactly. <laughs> I think for me, it's an outlet Mm -hmm. it is a realistic output of my world if that makes sense
2: okay
1: like if i didn't do comedy i would probably be a hermit (laughs) i would for sure so i think for me it's like i don't know it's just it's vulnerability it's realism it's you know my way of fitting into the world.
0: Right. All I got. You feel like you don't fit into the world?
1: Yeah, I definitely have moments of that. Like I have very like I'm I'm ADHD, very I know a lot of comics are, but I think that like I've never felt that I fit in. Like all through school. Yeah. Even when I had day jobs and even when I like I would make people laugh, but like I never really had Like I never fit in in like big group settings. I've always kind of had like one or two really close friends in whatever environment I'm in, but I've never really fit in in the bigger picture. Um, Yeah. So I think if I didn't have comedy, like I wouldn't. I don't know where I would fit in. I don't think I would fit in anywhere, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's why, like, if I go through like periods where I don't have shows for a long time, like I tend to get really depressed. Yeah. And I just don't go out. I literally seclude myself. Wow. Um. I think comedy is my way of, like, kind of, like, fitting in a little bit. Do
0: you feel then that – do you know Jack D? Yes. Yeah. He said uh, not fitting in was a, a comedic asset and a comic resource, I think, is what he said.
1: Yeah. I think that's true because I think, like, you can tell which comedians were popular in school. <laughs> you really <laughs> um So I think for a lot of us, it's like not fitting in is kind of maybe the reason why we're in this.
0: Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank
1: you. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. You're a great interviewer.